Welcome to the College Football Connection, your taste of all the college football action going on this week. We love the Ohio State Buckeyes. We hate that team up north, and we've got way too much to say. We're joined by the one and only Zach Smith, also known as Menace to Sports, to give us the behind the scenes and some expert insights on the action. Zach, great to have you. Let's get this thing going. Obviously, uh, a lot to talk about as Ohio State fans, uh, but uh, why don't we why don't we just take it from the top here in terms of overall uh, kind of sentiment after watching the game? How are you feeling, man? Well, you know, it's, it's, I guess, I don't know. It's such mixed emotions, right? Because for two years, you've wanted CJ Stroud to kind of drop his nuts and play like a badass competitive dude. And he finally did. And it was like, I mean, it brought a tear to my eye. It was like, I'm sitting here screaming at the TV. Like I've been, I've been bitching for two years for you to do this. I mean, scram six scrambles for 66 yards. Like he just had a different aura, a different energy, everything about him was what you knew he was capable of being for yeah. two years. And he did it. I, I, I didn't think he could do it. After the, you know, the second Michigan game, I was like, I, I just don't think he has it in him. But he did. Yeah. And he brought it out. And it's just, it sucks that, that it ended the way it ended. I mean, you know, one point loss to probably the best football team, the future national champion. And, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. The defense was atrocious the last three games of the year, including that game. It just, it was Sucks to lose that way. I mean, you bring in Jim Knowles to fix the defense, and, and make no mistake, he fixed it, um, just not to the level of a championship-caliber defense. And I think it might be unfair to hold him to that standard, considering there's personnel issues and a million excuses. But you needed one stop at the end of the game, and you needed to find an offense without Marvin Harrison Jr. in the fourth quarter. You know, yeah. scoring three points in the fourth quarter of a championship game, you're going to lose every time. Yeah. Before we get yeah. too, uh, too technical, too, V, um, What's what's your sentiment? How did you feel going in watching it? Uh, my sentiment echoes uh, echoes Zach's uh, fairly closely. First of all, you know, with the CJ Stroud thing, I had kind of gotten hard on him as well, even in my conversations. Um, but it was all to help motivate and hopefully get him to be the best version because I want to see the kid succeed uh, more than anything else to 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 not continue the narrative of Ohio State quarterbacks that can't make it in the league because he has the talent to do so. Um, but seeing his attitude in the big games was something that was discouraging, but it was very refreshing because I think he heard all of the criticism loud and clear. And he, instead of whining about it or complaining about it, he absorbed it, practiced hard for the last three weeks. That's what criticism is supposed to do, is it's supposed to make you better. And I think he answered a lot of questions and helped his draft stock. The second person that I've been hard on all season has been Ryan Day. And I was pleasantly very happy with the game game plan and the plays that he called. Um, obviously, we'll get to the last 50 seconds, which kind of definitely hurt that sentiment as far as, as, as my, my Ryan Day encouragement. But overall... I was very happy. And the other thing that I was very disappointed in um, is this, like Zach said, we were up 14 points going into the fourth quarter. 
to lose that game that way, specifically knowing, and Zach knows this better than you and I, Partha, how difficult it is to have a national to win a national championship. Ohio State played a better football game than Georgia in that game and lost the game because of some bad decisions at the end of the game and because of a defense that just couldn't get it done at all. Like it was it was comically bad how bad our defense was against an offense that wasn't necessarily the greatest offense coming into this game. Not not to mention so, the best field goal kicker in college football getting a bad hold on the game winning kick. Right. So I think that there there were a lot of things that, you know, maybe didn't go the right way. But I, I also just wanted to toss in like I've never felt prouder of of this team than I did watching that game, despite how it ended, uh, because we saw we saw guys do things that specifically CJ Stroud that we had never seen them do, but that we just dreamt of dreamt of watching them do. You know what I mean? And on on defense there were a few opportunities especially earlier on where i i really felt like um we were showing up and showing out uh they they really got into us um and created a lot more space for themselves as the game went on uh, offensively and you know that kind of came to be uh, to our detriment at the end but just to see the fight in these kids and the amount of heart that they brought to this game like after that michigan game especially was i think what we needed to see and you know i Ultimately, this year was one of the years that going in, I, I said this to you guys many times. I was like, I think we're going to win this one this year. And you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. You know, you don't expect your best player to get knocked out with, you know, what I still think is a, a dirty hit there in the back of the end zone that, you know, concussed Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you don't expect these things to happen. You don't expect your best receiver to be out the whole season after he just set a record in last year's bowl game. Um, you know, a lot of things, your best running back out, um, Mayan Williams was sick the week leading up to the game. There are a lot of things that, that kind of come into play when you get to playoff time, especially in the winter with travel, with the amount of exposure people get to, to other people. So you never really know how it's going to play out, but this team, what they put on the field showed what the heart and culture of Ohio state football is that I remember. And I don't think we've seen it to this degree in the last two years. And so for me, it, it was just like, okay, we're going in the right direction. You know, getting the news that uh, Day's thinking about dropping his play calling duties as well just shows how he's focused on the culture, the overall energy of the program uh, in terms of where he wants to build it. And, you know, from my lens, like it left me so optimistic about the future of the program um, overall because I, I know that with great culture comes great results. Yeah, it was critical for us to play that game closely against an SEC school because if we would have gotten blown out, it would have definitely had a, a reverberating impact on recruiting on every aspect of building a program and a culture. Um, and I agree with you, Partha, that the, offici the officials did us no favors. Um, but at the end of the day, when you have control of your game, um, you have to, you have of your destiny, you have to take your destiny in your hands. And I think this is a good segue into this last 50 seconds of offense. Um, Partha, I know you did mention that the kicker um, is the best kicker in the country. I call him Noah Snuggles because, you know, when he kicks a ball, you know it's going to go in. But as Zach pointed out um, before we got on the call, he had not made a field goal over 50 yards the entire season it didn't have to <laughs> it, yeah it didn't have to and then and then in that situation when you 
and this is where I, you know, Zach's insight is going to be valuable. I was left, you know, I was watching the game with Gary on Conley, and we were both scratching our heads like, okay, you got there. Why, why are we running, first of all, two pass plays in that scenario? And why aren't we just knowing that circumstances as the coach that we have a really good kicker, but we have to get him inside of 50 yards? I didn't particularly understand it. Zach, you can give some more probably insight into the logic behind the decision making, but I really did not understand it, of the play calling in that in that space yeah. and time, knowing all the circumstances and giving it full context. Well, you know, it's it's you're in a tough spot, right? You have Noah Ruggles who's who's money inside of fifty, but oh for five, fifty plus. So you're already thinking, all right, we gotta get him as close as we can. They have a true freshman kicker from IMG whose career long was a 50-yarder in high school who has a pretty, pretty big leg. So you have to make a decision. I mean, this is a career-changing decision. Are you going to go with an unproven freshman kicker who has the leg, or are you going to go with your tried and true, your, your Mr. Consistency, and hope he has a little extra juice? And, and I've watched that hold a hundred times. I mean, it was on the spot. The laces were out. I don't see yeah. anything wrong with it. I just think Noah Ruggles... Tried to just, kick it a little harder. He had just he tried to right kick it a little harder because he knew that, he didn't that, have the leg. That's typically what what happens is right. Like you, every kicker knows what their range is and where their where yeah. their comfort level is. Once you take a kicker outside of their comfort zone, then that's what exactly was happening. He was focused on kicking it harder, yep. so that impacted his technique. That had nothing to do with the hole. That's interesting. But again. But again, the circumstances leading up to it, again, this is situational awareness in football, right? As the head coach and as the offensive team and the special teams coach, they know, they've known these things all year long, right? So when you get it to the point where you're within 50 yards, the goal needs to be to get it as close as possible. Marvin Harrison is out of the game. You've been running the ball pretty effectively, both with C.J. Stroud and with Mayan Williams. I understood the first down run went for a one-yard loss, but I don't understand the decision-making on second and third down to drop back into pass plays that weren't quick throws, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's what I don't this, – this isn't – and I, I hate that it's, being, it's not on Noah Ruggles because you know who he is as a personnel, as a player. You have to put that player in a position to succeed. So I don't like the fans blaming Ruggles. This was an overall kind of lapse. And I, and I don't, and I hate to even kind of bring it up because I thought Ryan Day called a phenomenal game leading up to that. But I almost feel like the pressure of that situation led to some poor decision making in those last 50 seconds. And that's just being transparent and honest about how I felt watching what was happening. Well, there was, there was a clear change in philosophy by Georgia. And I actually, one of my former uh, assistants at Temple is the secondary coach at Georgia. And I talked to him after the game and he said, after Marvin Harrison Jr. went out, Kirby Smart went on the headset and said, that's it. All out blitz, load the box, press man. They didn't fear anybody on the perimeter. They were just going to commit everybody to the run. And that's what they did. And Ohio State struggled to move the ball because they didn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. They didn't have a guy that they felt like could could really consistently get open. And that was that was the shift. And as much as you 
you know, want to throw a quick game or, 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 and I, I just got the coach's film, so I haven't watched it yet. I just watched TV yeah. copy, but I don't know who got open. I don't know if they did get open. Maybe they didn't. Um, but I, I agree. I mean, you need to do whatever you can throw a screen, do something to try to get it a little bit closer. I think the real problem is those little perimeter screens, some of those RPO things, some of those easy throws that CJ could make. Ohio State hasn't been very good at them. They don't block yeah. well in the screen game. They haven't executed the RPO game very well. And so it's it's tough because at the same time, you get one guy to pop free on a 15, 18-yard game. That's game over. That's a chip shot. So yeah, that's I, also that's also the reality with press man and blitz, right? If you have the right the right blocking scheme, the right run setup, you are going to get three or four yards because they're over committing, right? Um, so you can run out of a, a, a blitz scenario. That was what was kind of surprising. It almost felt like after the first down run went for a one yard <laughs> loss, it was like, okay, this isn't going to work. So let's go back to <laughs> back to this. And then even the plays that were run, if they are running press man all out blitz, it's like they weren't plays that necessarily de- were quick developed. They were traditional route mm-hmm. <laughs> routes that were being run that were not were not plays that were going to do well against an all out Georgia blitz. That's that's really what was was kind of um, head scratching, and you hate to see that, you know. And obviously, you know, we're, we're we're running the marathon, not the sprint here with Ryan Day. This is his third year coaching. Uh, he's showing improvement every single season. But there are still areas in times like this where you have to have been there before um, that you have to stay calm and know, okay, this is what we need to do in this situation, and we can't we can't necessarily panic. Um, and CJ almost took two sacks on both of those plays too, which would have eliminated the chance for us even hitting oh, yeah. a field goal. So okay. that's 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 the other thing that was was kind of frustrating, and, and you know this. Whoever won this game was going to win the national championship. These are the two best teams, um, most talented teams in college football. And in 42-41, it's like, ah, it's like, it's like you don't get these opportunities. It's been 2014 was the last time we won a national championship. We've been in three college football playoffs since then. It's really, really hard to be in a situation where you everything is in your control of, of the outcome. Yeah. There's no I, doubt. Know- one area I, I I do want to comment is I think I might be in the minority of Ohio State fans here, but I I don't think I wanted us to with the roster that we were gonna have after this week. I don't think we would have been prepared to play a national championship game, and I think TCU deserves a lot more respect than they're getting going to this game. I think they have a real shot against Georgia with the kind of speed they bring to the table with what Max Duggan brings to the field from an energy standpoint, we just saw them destroy Michigan. And their three three five defense, the only reason they can run that defense is because they have some of the most explosive, hard-hitting, you know, dynamic players on defense that, that exist in college football right now. And against you know, Sets and Bennett when they're covering the entirety of the field, but they have linebackers and edge defenders that are going to be able to keep them in the pocket. I think it's a real matchup. I honestly think TCU could win this this week. That's my that's my kind of feel on it. Yeah, I I don't share that sentiment. And you guys, Zach, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But what was frustrating watching the Michigan TCU game is we went back to the Jim Harbaugh that we were used to seeing, who chokes in big games and makes terrible decisions. Because Michigan, 
very early on could have taken control of that game. There were two plays. First, that Philly special, I don't understand why you were doing it. You don't have the personnel. You don't have, you'd never run it in that situation. Let Take the field goal. And then I think that they got screwed over by the officials on that touchdown pass where the kid juggled it. He clearly didn't catch it on the first catch. By the time he had possession of the ball, he was in the end zone. I don't know how you can reverse that call. There's literally no video evidence to support that. And I do think that this was a this was an interesting, interestingly officiated game. But I just felt like Michigan came in with the worst possible game plan, um, and they put themselves, the coaching staff, put that team in a position to lose that game. And TCU, to their credit, they took advantage of it. They have a good, they have a quarterback with heart. They have a coach that's good. But Michigan, if they would have handled their business and prepared for this game the way that they should have, I think they could have won. I don't know if. if where you fall on it, Zach? Yeah, I mean, Michigan was overconfident. I mean, you saw it in their in in their press conferences leading up to the game, talking about the defense and how they're going to bring the Big Ten football to the Big Twelve, and they were completely cocky. But yeah. I I don't think we should look at Georgia the same as, as in two different ways. One, we just watched Ohio State without their top two wideouts, essentially without their top two running backs, and without their top two tight ends, put up 467 yards on that defense. Yeah. And this TCU offense is fast, fast. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they have the firepower to win the game, but they present a mismatch problem. And the difference maker in the, the Ohio State-Georgia game that we didn't see all year was they had two receivers come play in that game that looked like NFL receivers that didn't play all year. Arian yeah. Smith Arian Smith is a 10-flat, 100-meter kid. And he's yeah. been hurt his whole career. He comes back healthy and just cooked Ohio State. A.D. Mitchell didn't play all year. All of a sudden, he's in a game, and you're looking at a Georgia team that had a solid run game and two tight ends, and they have two freak shows on the perimeter. And it's like, well, shit, this is not the same Georgia offense everyone else had to stop. This is a totally <laughs> different beast. Yeah, and I think, I think again, you got to, regardless of like how guys have performed, there is a big difference in the talent level that sits at Ohio State on both sides of the ball and the talent level that's at TCU. Um, on the defensive side of the ball to stop Georgia. And then also they have a nice sized offensive line, which helps. Right. But it seemed like they were having trouble running the ball as well um, in that game. And I don't think it bodes well. What we had at Ohio state is a top 10 NFL draft pick playing quarterback who played that way. And that's, that's what happened in this game and a top 10 receiver who until he got injured played that way. And we got, Guys like Julian Fleming, who played the best game of the season, I could not believe the kid was running solid routes. He was, he, was, yeah. he played the best game of his Ohio State career. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, if TCU has that level. Obviously, they have the big receiver who's going to be a first-round pick, but that level of, of talent to match up talent position-position like Ohio State can with Georgia, but that's like that's like going – but to your point, Zach, the thing that I wanted to ask you and the thing that was frustrating throughout this bowl season to me is it seems like defense doesn't exist in college football. Georgia was supposed to be the best defense. Michigan's supposed to be one of the top defenses. They got embarrassed. Yeah. You know, you know, obviously what happened in the USC game against Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> what what is going on? Because I feel like Every I don't I don't feel like there aren't you know and I and I, I was talking to about this with with Gary on he was like I just don't think 
that kids want to play because he's he's training kids now. Like I just don't think kids want to play corner and they don't yeah. want to play defense. Well, and that's kind of starting to show itself in in college football because a lot of these kids are coming in, they're playing DB, but that's not every DB wants to play receiver, right? And that is it the toughness? What is happening to see the decline? And obviously we can address Jim Knowles himself in the situation, whether it's a talent pool, but these kids at Ohio State, these are five star prospects at DB. They're top they're top rated. We have top rated prospects. What is happening? Because I've never seen a secondary this bad at Ohio State ever. Well, it's the thing about college football in the last ten years is, and I said it all last year in an all off season. Last year was an anomaly for today's college football. You can't win a championship with great defense. That doesn't win championships. It hasn't for ten years. Last year, it, it was that good of a defense. I mean, eight NFL draft picks plus a couple more that are still on the defense now, they'll probably have all 11 guys starting in the NFL. That's how yeah. ridiculous that defense was. Nobody else yeah. has had that. I mean, from yeah. Trevor Lawrence's Clemson, Joe Burrow's LSU, Devontae Smith at Alabama, and Tua Tagovailoa. You know, it's just since maybe 2014, you'd say we had a solid defense. Since then, you didn't need a defense. You just had to have one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Look at the playoffs, right? Both playoff games are over 40 points, 51 to 45 in the Michigan game. This, this day and age, it's about explosive offense. And then, honestly, defensively, it's about just being disruptive. You don't have to be a great statistical defense. You don't have to really stop people. You have to sack the quarterback to get them off schedule and create turnovers. That's it. And this defense at Ohio State is the first time in Ohio State history not a single corner had an interception. Wow. Like Our defensive wow. ends had two interceptions. Our corners had that. none. I did not know that. That's it's interesting. wild. That's really wild. interesting. And, and it really, I mean, you look at the secondary, and I mean, Denzel Burke, I think, is going to be a good player. He's one of the corner recruits that they did recruit. But outside of that, you make money recruiting the secondary by recruiting tall corners. And then some of them yeah. aren't great corners, and you move them to safety. You look yeah. at this defense, they swung and miss on corners for like three years. They didn't yeah. recruit one. I recruited Cameron Babb as a receiver. I mean, Cameron yeah. Brown as a receiver. And he's playing corner. I think he's a good corner, but you need to have six. You can't have two, and they only have two. And so yeah. you have no depth, no rotation, and you don't ever have those guys that that maybe you miss at corner, but they're a great safety, right? You don't. Yeah. They they just haven't had that. And it was really there was a three year stint where I did a study. The only corner they signed was Cameron Brown, and I took him as a receiver. And it's like what what happened. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and the thing is, is it's the frustrating thing about that is like the momentum that Ohio State has and the tradition that they have at this specific position. You know, we should be getting the top two, three corners the same way we get the top. The fact that we're getting the receivers, but we're not getting the corners is, is particularly frustrating considering the pedigree and the history of first round draft picks. It's the easiest sell ever to a corner. It Come is, to Ohio State, it is. go have a 10-year NFL career. It know? is, but sometimes sometimes we, we let historical fortune kind of mis, misconstrue reality. Those first-round corners were from Nordonia, Ohio, Maslin, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, and then yeah. Jeff Okuda was from Texas. So they got one, yeah. one national corner that was a first-round yeah. corner. Yeah. They're getting the top talent in Ohio. There just hasn't been first-round corners. Hmm. Yeah. 
So do you think when when you look at that, if you were to look at that from like the Ohio State perspective, does that mean you put more focus into speaking to your high school coaches across the state? Like, hey, this is what what we are looking for and what we're recruiting for. I mean, to an extent, but at the same time, if you have Gary on Conley in high school and he comes to you and says, I, I only want to play receiver. Guess what you're going to say? Okay. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're score much touchdowns, to bro. You're really good. Like, yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. And so like Marshawn Lattimore is a great example. Like I wanted him at receiver and the kid only wanted to hear corner. And nowadays that's not the case. That kid yeah, only wants to hear yeah. receiver. Yeah. That's the thing, the mentality and the art of playing that position. I think it's the most difficult outside of obviously quarterback. It's the most difficult position uh, to play on the field, uh, specifically playing man corner. You know, oh, yeah. you can you. It's 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 a really really, and it takes a certain character, and it takes a certain kind of like kind of depth of character inside you to want to play that position because you've got to make wide receiver highlight real plays, at, and for the most part, that means that they're not throwing to you and you're not getting in on the action a lot. You yeah. know, and so yeah. it's it's also really tough to be an elite player and then not be in on the action as much as you would like. Yeah. Um, and so it it does seem like that in terms of the development and the toughness element of coming into a program. Like you said, Zach, a lot of these guys like Gary on played receiver in, in high school. He played corner, but he didn't really have to do much work. But he came into Ohio State. The coaches were willing to give him a dose of reality and say, if you want to play in the NFL, you need to play corner. He made the switch, became a first round quarterback. Same thing with, with Cameron Brown. You wanted him to be a receiver, developed into a corner. It just, oh, it's like, is it harder now to communicate to these kids and tell them, hey, this is what's best for you because of kind of the shifting narrative around, because there's going to be another program that allowed because of the transfer portal and everything else, there's going to be a school that tells all these kids exactly what they want to hear versus what they need to hear. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of a shift in, in kids and their mentality. The transfer portal damn sure hasn't helped. Um, and there's a kid, there's a kid out of Westerville. I mean, a suit, like a 10, 200 meter, 10, 300 meter kid, Caden Saunders that went to Penn state to play receiver solely because Ohio state told him, listen, we think you're a first round corner. And he said, well, I'm cool. I want to play receiver, so I'm going to go to Penn State. Not a knock on a kid. That's what he wants to do with his career. Have at it. But I I think kids just, there aren't as many dogs out there. There aren't as many kids that want to go toe-to-toe and press man coverage and battle. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, so um, Zach, I know we have you a little under the weather. I don't want to strain your voice too much. Um, Let's, uh, I I would love to just kind of do a a recap on the season. uh, If we could just... um, I think question I'd ask both of you is, um, you know, how do you feel about the season? Did it meet expectations, exceed, or did it hit below? And then two, uh, kind of the follow-up to that is what, in your opinion, are the most important things that need to happen between now and next season to put us in, in the position, um, you know, to grow? Zach, you want to go first? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's a ton of question marks going into next year. Obviously, you lose a, a first-round quarterback. That's always a cause of concern. Uh, the secondary is a major cause of concern, and they, they're losing two tackles that I don't know who replaces them on this on this team. And it's Justin Fry is going to have to develop some some tackles, and so he's got a big job in front of him. Um, as far as this year, 
I think the defense, I mean, they, they went from the, the 42nd ranked defense in the country to ninth. Now, would we have loved them to be fifth? Would we have loved one stop in the fourth quarter? Absolutely. But I think Jim Knowles did a decent job of fixing some of the issues. It wasn't going to be an overnight fix. It's kind of lingering issues from the two-year stint we had before and some recruiting errors, personnel issues. So there's a lot of question marks around this team next year because not only do we not know who's going to play corner and, and who's going to play safety and how good can they actually be, but on top of that, teams like Michigan are returning everyone. Penn State just went 11-2, and two, won the Rose Bowl, and they returned nine starters on defense, six on offense. Their, their, their quarterback that's going to take over for Sean Clifford is a five-star, supposed to be great. They have two freshman running backs that are outstanding. Penn State's going to be good. And so the landscape in the Big Ten East doesn't look conducive to a rebuild year at all. So Ohio State's got to figure it out, got to figure it out quick. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of questions to be answered, and like the thing with uh, to to your point, Zach, with with Jim Knowles, like throughout the season we looked pretty damn good, but it's hard to evaluate because at the end of the day, he is one of the highest paid assistants in college football. It really matters what your defense does in, in the games that matter, and in the games that matter, he's left a lot to be desired. So there's questions going into next season. Yes, it is personnel. It is also development because I was very confused as to what the philosophy of the defense was. It seemed very confusing. He seemed confused as to what to do in both of those games. He tried a lot of different things. I understand when you have when you have corners that can't cover anybody, it's hard to do anything defensively, right? Um, so I'm going really to give him, yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he is paid what he's paid for a reason. And so next year in the Michigan game and 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 these big games, I expect a better performance from our defense than I saw this year. As far as the rest of the team, I I, I think to your point, Zach, the hardest thing that's going to I think we're underestimating what these two tackles, how they covered a lot of our flaws um, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and to come in with a new quarterback without, you know, without that, without his security blanket, two pillars that are going to help protect him, we're going to have a lot more questions on offense. We are going to have Trey Henderson back. We are going to have Mayan Williams back. We are going to have Marvin Harrison back. That's all good. I don't know if Tommy, I think Tommy Eichenberg, is probably going to leave. We're going to lose Zach Harrison on the defensive side of the ball. But on on defense, we're still going to have solid defensive line, solid linebacking core. Question is corner and safety. Um, and then I do like seeing Ryan Day as much as I think he's a great play caller. Managing a college football program specifically as a head coach and trying to be the offensive play caller and scheme every week is a huge challenge. Much respect to him for doing it for these last three years, but much more respect to him for each year learning, hey, I need to make this adjustment for the, the betterment of the program. And putting his ego aside and saying that and being willing to say that, I think bodes well for the potential for our program to address these issues that Zach, that Zach pointed out. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, for the most part in principle, um, from my lens, very happy with how the year played out, given the amount of injuries that 
that happened and you know the the number of players i thought were going to play at the beginning of the season versus the the roster we had at the end of the season looked totally different and i i think a lot of young guys were able to grow which is always what you want to see um you know for next year a big thing that i would like to see is like whenever you lose a star quarterback i feel like it gives you a blank slate to be able to build more of a systematic type of offense i think whether it's mccord or whether it's devin brown I would like to see an offense that doesn't require the quarterback to be excellent. That just requires them to be pretty good at throwing the ball. And whether that means faster decision-making, whether that means more creative run plays or more wide receiver rounds or different ways to get the ball around the field, especially in the short game. Um, to me, that, that would be really compelling for next year because I think it will take a little bit of creativity to be able to maximize the talent that we have because we do have incredible running backs incredible receivers but the big question is can we get them the ball in their spots next year you know what i would like to see as far as the secondary is concerned zach mm -hmm. is there's this guy uh, up you know down the street uh who is unemployed right now who you tried to make the defensive coordinator who shouldn't have been a defensive coordinator but is a great special teams and secondary coach that Jim Knowles might think about making a call to and saying, Hey, I know that defensive coordinator thing didn't work out, but you love Ohio state. You're great for the program from an energy perspective, come back and, and help these DBs get a little bit better. <laughs> right. <laughs> who, who are you talking about? Kerry Coombs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty good when you put him in the position to do what he was supposed to do, right? Oh, he was he was a great corner coach for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um also before we uh before we get to the end here, let's uh let's talk about this national championship game. We got TCU against Georgia. Georgia, by the way, there were like eight injuries or something. There was a lot of injuries to their to their players during the course of this game. So I don't know who we're gonna see. I felt like when I watched the TCU Michigan game, there were a lot fewer injuries that I saw in that game versus ours. Um, so really curious. I think we're going to see, uh, an interesting matchup, but curious where you guys think this one will land, uh, from a winner prediction and a score prediction standpoint as well. Well, I mean, I think Georgia's going to win, but I'll pick TCU just cause that's what I want to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think I, I've said it all year. I said it before this game. It was proven true in this game. This Georgia defense is a solid defense. They're completely unproven. They haven't played anybody worth a shit. And they finally played an offense that was depleted, but a good offense, and they got exposed. Now, they also brought to life two ridiculous receivers that nobody knew they were going to have. So I think it's going to be a shootout game. I don't think Georgia's just going to dominate TCU. I don't think they have the defense to do it. And if Stetson Bennett can put on a performance like he did on Saturday, Georgia will win. But if TCU can find a way to match speed, because they might be the only team in the country that can, I think TCU has a chance to win the game. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure about everything that's going on on the injury front. I've heard rumblings that TCU's star receiver is is dealing with an injury as well. So, I mean, injuries are part of part of the situation. This is why you have depth. Um, the reality for me is the game that I watched that that made me realize that this was more about Michigan and less about TCU was when I watched that Alabama-Kansas State game and how thoroughly Alabama dominated Kansas State. Oh, yeah. Um, and seeing that they are going to be facing an SEC team, 
um, that doesn't have a bonehead coach who makes bad decisions in bad situations. I think because of that, I, I have a lot of respect for TCU and what they've done. I just don't have a whole lot of respect for Big 12 football and its ability to compete against an SEC team. I think Georgia will win, but it won't be as big of a blowout as people probably are probably expecting in SEC world. I think they'll win by 10 points. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm also going to pick TCU because I want it to happen. Um, but also, I was just genuinely impressed uh, by the way that their players move around the field. It was just a, a level of speed and explosiveness that is is not it's not just one guy it's like 10 guys on that team are just ridiculous athletes and so you know for that reason um i think tcu has a more dangerous explosive factor than georgia does in terms of just give them a couple steps these guys could be gone to the house and so i think the average average value of a tcu good play is higher than the average value of a georgia good play for that reason i'm picking tcu i think statistically that works out in their favor but i think it's close i think it's to the last possession one thing i will say about this this game is it's a reflection on the difference between college football and professional football if you look at stetson bennett and you look at max duggan neither one of them is probably going to have a elite NFL career. But if you're talking about the most valuable players to their teams, they stand out over a Caleb Williams or even a CJ Stroud because of the impact they have as leaders on their team. They take on the personality of those guys. And so that's one thing, one storyline here that is is going to be cool to see. Neither one of these guys is 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 great, but their personalities definitely impact their teams in ways that are immeasurable. And they're both going to be very successful in life outside of football as a result of that. Yeah, well said. Well said. Well, on that note, we're bringing this college football connection to um, to a close. We'll, meet, we'll see you guys next week for the wrap-up on this college football season, which is heartbreaking to say. Um, but, Zach, thank you again for, uh, for joining us. It's been a fun season with you, and I'm sad that Sad that we're getting to the end here. For sure. I appreciate you guys. All right, man. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Pilot boys, we get on up.